Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we have Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Join us as he does every single Tuesday. Find out why James Borrego is pissed in the first segment. Also, we have Rod Boone's All-Decade Team. Find out what our all-worst decade team is for the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats. And this. One time, let me tell a quick story. Can I tell a quick story about Gary Neal? You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We particularly like Tuesdays because Tuesdays mean Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joins the show. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we always appreciate the time. How are you? I'm great. Hey, Walker, um, how are the tracks going down with this rap? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me about that, Rick. I had a feeling you were going to start it, and I should have never released that information to Bobby because Bobby is going to take it and run with it. And, of course, Molly wants to find out as much information as possible. I, I should have never released that info. Oh, your, your, I, your rap tracks, your, your aspiring yeah, rap career? Right. Okay. Correct. Correct. Hey, Doug. From yes. now on, LL Cool Walker. There you go. I love yeah, it. 100%. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to run with that. Uh, Rick, I'm going to steer this conversation in a different direction. I don't want to talk about my rap career. Uh, I did see you tweet something, Rick, about James Borrego talking with him today. You said he was frustrated, hinting at maybe changing the lineups to get more out of them defensively. What did you make of his frustration and just how frustrated was he? He didn't talk specifics. He didn't call out specific players. But his frustration was as long and global as at any time that I have seen him in the you know in the in the season plus as coach here. Um, he made it very uh, and I, I'll joke about this. It, it kind of reminded me of the, of you know when you turn around to your kids in the minivan and point your fingers to them on, on the, at the start of a vacation and said, "If you kids don't calm down, I'm turning this car right around and we're not going to Disney World." <laughs> Does that mean, I mean more veterans, Rick? I, what is, do you think that means more veterans? How would you think he might address that? Well, you know, Walker, I'm glad you posed it that way because I, I, I you know, as I said on Twitter last night when he started this, um, I don't know how many options he has to respond to this, but I know this. He's really pissed off about the way that they're not doing what they're supposed to do on defense. It's I think it's less about what they're accomplishing and more about, you know, them, you know, you know, what they're they're executing, what they're trying to do. And I don't know whether this will have a direct effect on minutes distribution Wednesday against the Pistons, but he sounds like a parent who has lost all, you know, all patience and there are gonna be consequences, folks. <laughs> I have no doubt of that. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of young players on this team. One we were excited about a lot was PJ Washington shot a little bit better last night against the heat, but overall had kind of tailed off a little bit. Is he wearing off right now to you, Rick? Um, I don't mean that 10 points is a magic number, but considering the start he had, I think him going five straight games without reaching double digit scoring. I think that's reflect, you know, he played so many minutes in the first 10 games and I think it caught up to him. I think we're seeing kind of early onset um, rookie wall here. 
Um, and when I asked him that exact question today, he, he gave me a lot of, no, 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 I'm ready for this. The, you know, the, the amount of, you know, games and the number of minutes I'm playing, I, I want to do this. I want to play basketball every day. No problem. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know, guys. I'm not, you know, I just think that he's going to have to work through this. And this is the sort of thing that usually happens to high volume minute rookies in, you know, closer to Christmas or January. Um, I think that to some degree, this is a cause of an effect by how much they played him really early on. Is there any reason to be concerned that it's hitting him this early? Like we know about the rookie wall. We saw it with Miles Bridges in that slump that he had in the middle of the year. But is there a concern to be had because it is so early? Nah, it's it's like getting the measles. You, you know, it's just, just something that happens and you get over it. And, you know, it's no big deal. It's it happens um, to everyone and it's not going to it. it uh, it's almost a rite of passage. Cody Zeller has not been a healthy basketball player the last few seasons. You had talked on this show before about the preventative medicine that Mitch Kupchak implemented within this organization. He did suffer an injury yesterday. It was a left hip contusion. Do you have an update on Cody Zeller, Rick? Yeah, um, Cody brought it up to us that um, he – this is actually a an aggravation of an injury that he suffered in the first Pistons game. Um, I, I do remember vaguely that he, he took a hard fall. Um, obviously, the re-aggravation was when he took that sort of deadweight fall um, in the Miami game. I thought it was interesting because Cody's a tough guy. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no doubting that. I thought it was interesting when we asked Cody at practice today about this, you know, what caused you to, you know, to have to sit out the second half. And he brought up that that was the difference between being hurt and injured, that they came to a decision that the, you know, his, his lack of mobility is a result of that bruised hip. Um, was keeping him from being effective. It wasn't something he could just tough through. I'm mildly surprised that the Hornets le- uh, list him as probable for Wednesday night because the way that Cody was talking, in a, you know, you know, I mean, he's obviously doing all the right things, getting all the ice, all the heat, all the things they could do about it. But the way he was talking after practice and the fact that he is like the exact opposite of a complainer, um, it made me wonder whether probable is overly optimistic as far as his ability not to be available but to be effective well and we've talked about the center position before you've talked about how that's the biggest gap between starter and bench player or best player at that position and second best player at that position rick there andre drummond rumors going around sean devaney of the sporting news reported on it again i think he mentioned something about it last year as well that the hornets had shown interest in the pistons big man uh do you have any comment on andre drummond and the reported interest of that the hornets had in him um I'm not saying that they wouldn't have any interest in him. I don't know one or the other. Um, but to me, the whole concept of giving up a young player or a draft pick um, for a, a guy with 17,000 NBA minutes already who is, you know, an old school center, you know, not the direction that we have seen Borrego moving toward as far as, you know, what he wants the center to be, which is, you know, if, if I think if you, if you could div- 
design Frankenstein's monster in the vision of what James Borrego would like in a center, it would be Carl Anthony Towns. It would be a guy who, you know, yeah, and I, and obviously there aren't a lot of those. But what I'm saying is somebody who is Al Horford, somebody who is a five with some four skills, somebody who can make a three, somebody um, who can run the floor. Um, uh, the obvious reason that there would be any logic at all to considering something like like trading for Drummond would be that they're a horrible rebounding team. I just don't I don't the idea of giving up anything of value. Uh, what anybody would call a draft asset or a trade asset um, for a guy who can who's older and who can opt out of his contract and walk into unrestricted free agency at the end of the season would strike me as foolish. Rick, what's something you think isn't being talked about enough surrounding this Hornets team? I mean, I know as far as surprises go, I don't think anybody would have expected Devontae Graham to play like this. It is, and certainly that's the biggest surprise. But is there anything that you find interesting that you haven't heard talked about anywhere else that you would like to bring up? Um, that I think, well, I mean, two, two little observations that I, it's not like they haven't been brought up at all, but I think there are things that are probably bigger bigger long-term stories with legs is um, the light bulb going off with Malik Monk. It's not just that he's playing better. It's that he's playing dramatically smarter and more efficient. Um, I thought it was incredibly encouraging last night that in the first seven minutes he played, he went to the foul line three times. Uh, I think that it's true that with any player, there is a degree of, you know, free throw attempts, per minute or free throw attempts per shot from the field as an indicator of efficient offense. I think that's much more telling with Malik because he had to really invent his approach to what he should be doing as an NBA player. And that does not involve, you know, standing around the three point line and waiting for the ball to hit his hands. Um, The other thing that I think is interesting is, you know, on the surface, it looks like miles bridges hasn't had all that good a season. And I actually think we've seen some interesting growth there. And the way I mean it is, and, you know, obviously Jimmy Butler last night and before that Kawhi Leonard and before that LeBron James, it's been trial by fire. But they're asking um, a lot more of Miles Bridges at both ends of the court than they did last season. And I think that's been hard for him. But in the long run, I think it'll make him a significantly better NBA player. All right, that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Make sure you catch all of his Hornets coverage on his Twitter handle, at Rick underscore Bennell. Always great stuff from him, and we appreciate him every Tuesday. Rick, thanks so much. Have a good rest of the week. Sure thing. You know what my favorite part about this time of year is? It's sweater weather, leaves on the ground, and threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it's ball season. Pro and college ball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to my 
mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. You put down $100, they'll give you $100. It's really that simple. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, no spaces, LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All decade team release. I might have a list that can help with that. We'll talk about it next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Final question for me. Uh, when you're in Polly's Island, could we describe you as sassy? When am I not sassy, Doug? You know you It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks again to Rick for joining us. Always appreciate it. Uh, Doug, I thought some things that he said were interesting. Let's go to the end of the interview. You know, we talked about Malik Monk with the light bulb going off. I think he's mentioned that before. We've talked about the kind of growth that Malik has had and certainly not there, but has grown quite a bit. I'm interested in more having the Miles Bridges conversation because I think we've talked about Miles Bridges maybe not having the season that we'd like to see from him. I think everybody expected to for him to have more responsibility and I don't think that I don't know if anybody would say that he's had a bad season I think that some people might have wanted more and Rick brings up the point of guarding the team's best perimeter player best other player period for him and how much energy that takes out of you and not only are we asking for more responsibility handling the basketball increasing his points per game right the traditional stats that one might look at and say, okay, that means that he's getting better, the shooting percentage, all that. But he is defending a lot more on the other end. He's asked to do that. It still doesn't excuse the awful help side defense that we've seen. It's really bad, and it's been bad the entire time. But I do understand all of that, right? Like, I understand having more responsibility defensively, having to put that much effort on the other end of the floor, taking a lot out of you as still a second-year player. What are your thoughts on what Rick had to say about Miles Bridges, and how would you evaluate what you've seen from Bridges this year? I mean, there's been some good and some bad. I mean, honestly, like, if he if he had responded well to that responsibility and we were seeing the development of a of a defensive quarterback in the mold of of what Marvin Williams did for this team as a starter for many years then i think you and i would be having a conversation about miles bridges taking a star turn instead we're having this dis- this discussion about miles bridges being overwhelmed about not being able to handle uh at least this early in his career those kind of defensive responsibilities i don't think it helps miles that this team really doesn't have rim protection. I don't think that it's fair to expect that of Miles Bridges. I think that he would be better defensively if there was somebody behind him that could defend the rim well. I think he would probably be helped defensively if there was someone in front of him with some size. I mean, this team is playing, you know, Miles is playing a lot with a very small backcourt. Uh, and and that provides some challenges both in pick and roll and then the individual assignments that those guards have. And, and letting those guys get through into the rim. And then all of a sudden it falls on Miles Bridges uh, to act as a stopgap. And we've just, he's not necessarily up to that task right now. And, you know, you have to ask the question, is this about Miles Bridges or is this about the fact that, you know, he would work better under a different construction? He's certainly not a, a baby Draymond. Like, I mean, that's not his thing. No. It's not going to be his thing. And that's what you have to figure out. I mean, you ask these kind of questions and make these kind of comparisons when players are young. And then that's the whole thing. We got to figure out, is that the case? I think we're figuring out that's not the case. 
God, he's not even close to a baby Draymond. No. Like they're completely different players. I you're talking about like Draymond can even handle the basketball. He's a brilliant passer. I mean, we know Draymond is a otherworldly defender, generational team defender. I they're different basketball players entirely. They have somewhat similar body types and they both went to Michigan State. There's where the comparison ends, in my opinion, when you talk about Draymond. And he mentioned uh, P.J. Washington's struggles. Yeah, over the past five or so games, P.J. has not been able to knock down a three-point shot. And you've seen, as Miles Bridges' usage grows, it's it's being eaten away uh, from P.J.'s usage. Those guys are sharing a, a certain responsibility on the ball. Whereas Cody Zeller's offense is, is locked in, I feel like. Devontae Graham's going to get his shots every game because he's the best player on the team right now. Terry Rozier, you don't see too much oscillation in the number of shots he gets per game. So offensively, you've got three players locked in, and then you've got P.J. and Miles sort of figuring out how they share the rest of the offense. And, and I think lately, uh, especially since P.J. had those two back-to-back bad games. He went 0 for 8 in one game, I think 2 for 6 in the next game, and his minutes went down significantly as as uh, Coach Borrego looked uh, for some other kind of offense. Probably, those minutes probably went to Malik. Uh, but ever since then, Miles has been trying to get back into a rhythm, and it's taken away from what P.J. does, and he hasn't hit a three-point shot. Rod Boone came out with an all-decade team we'll talk about in the third segment. Let's get to the game last night, though, first. Doug. The Miami Heat beat the Hornets 117 to 100. It Spanked was really him. the Heat controlling this game from the get-go. I mean, it was 36 to 31 at the end of the first quarter where the Hornets were actually scoring the ball a little bit. But again, defensively, the Hornets really struggle. It's what led to Borrego's frustration today that Rick talked about that he was extremely frustrated. He said he was pissed that the defense continues to be so bad. By the way, by the way, by the way, good. Like, I'm glad we're, you know, we need to see some emotion, I think, from this this coaching staff, from this head coach. You had uh, NORAD, in the middle of that game against Miami, say, we're giving them too many easy ones. I mean, you knew this was going to – I mean, you knew, JB, had to say something because, you know, just too many times Miami just rising up over over on a Linux screen or, uh, or just getting into transition, somebody not getting back fast enough or not responding in transition fast enough. There's too many easy three-point shots. These are not, you know, Miami had a few. They certainly had a few shots. Uh, Olenek hit a, a, a tough couple of shots, and they had some where it's like ball movement. You're getting them into rotation. You know, those are tough. But just too many just easy three-point shots for Miami, who was already a good three-point shooting team. They didn't need the help. They didn't need the extra space, and the Hornets were glad to give it to them. I'm glad JB is mad because I'm mad. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn went five of six from the perimeter. Olenek went four of five from the perimeter. The only other guys that really did any damage were Duncan Robinson, who actually wasn't great in this game, only two of six. And then Tyler Hero went two of seven. But I think and six of 13 hit a couple shots early, had 18 points. It goes to show you some of that youth that has been so good. How about Bam Adebayo, man? Bam Adebayo was good. All right, watching him play 21 points, 13 rebounds. And Doug, anytime you look at a box score. Wrong Hornets, Kentucky player again. Uh, of course, hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly what I was thinking. Anytime you look at the box score for the Charlotte Hornets, you're going to see the rebounds and the disparity in that. I mean, the Hornets are they just get destroyed down low. And now when you talk about Cody Zeller being possibly out for this next game, you have to wonder if they're going to go to Billy uh, and Bismack Biombo going to get a lot more minutes. You know, maybe they go a little bit smaller for a longer time. Um, I, it's just, 
this is something that they're not going to be able to combat this year. I mean, they're going to get destroyed. And when, when other, when other teams can find the athletic bigs like a bam Adebayo, right? Like even Myers Leonard is somewhat athletic, you know, it's, it's going to destroy the Charlotte Hornets and there's just no answer for them. Well, there is an answer there. The answer is they have to be more physical. I mean, we see the thing is like, we have seen that this team is capable of, of being physical on the defensive end. We've seen them go over screens. We've seen them execute the defense that JB wants them to execute. The reason JB is mad is not because this team is not talented enough to execute the thing that he wants them to execute. He's mad because they're just not doing it. And and maybe it was a response to that Chicago game and taking that awful defeat to Chicago and uh, maybe there's a, a little bit of of confidence issue with with the team as a whole. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I hope he does shake things up. I think in this season where, you know, the barometer, we say, we say it over and over, the barometer is not wins and losses. Shake it up, baby. Let's, let's see. So, I mean, throw MKG in there, throw, so, Mar- well, throw right. Marvin, give Marvin Williams a, a few more minutes. He certainly earned it. So give the, re- give the veterans more minutes then is what you're saying. Why not? I, I don't think that it's really going to affect wins or losses at this point because you've still got enough. I mean, they're, they're, turning well, I the ball, the argument, they're turning the ball over so much that it doesn't matter. Um, well, I think the argument is if it doesn't affect wins and losses so much, then why not allow the younger guys to get more playing time? Right. I mean, if, if it because you have to send a message because you have to send a message that you can't okay. just you can't just walk through transition uh, opportunities for the other team and allow three point shots like that. You can't just, if you look, if you want to showcase your talents and you got to give it to me on both ends that they're trying to develop two way play. So, I mean, we've seen we know Devonte Graham can play offense. We know Malik Monk can play offense. I mean, we, we know these things. We know Miles Bridges can dunk. Now, now show it to us on the defensive end. Show us so, that commitment. Right. I, th- I think the answer would be Cody Martin then, right? Like, I think Cody Martin, who got six minutes, who's been kind of out of the rotation since Nick Batum sure. has been thrust in there, I think that would be the guy. If you don't really care about wins and losses, then it probably doesn't make a ton of sense when you're talking about veterans that in the in the reality, you're talking about Marvin, who's not in the future plans, is in a contract year. If he... If, what, the reason I want veterans to be on the court is to help the younger players maximize their ability. I'm with you on holding these younger players accountable, but when I talk about Nick Batum being on the court, it's not because I give a damn about the minutes that Nick Batum gets or care if the team wins and loses or how they perform because Nick Batum is helping them get more wins. It's because I think Nick Batum can maximize other younger players' skill sets more than maybe a, or just switch up the lineup. Again, when we talk about Dwayne and Nick, Malik Monk is going to play better. Devontae Graham, to me, is going to play better with Nick Batum playing with them rather than Dwayne Bacon playing with them. So mix up the lineup in that regard a little bit. That's why I want veterans I think, in with some of the younger players. I think I think both internally with the lineups that he has now, and I also think when they, when they start exploring trade options in the future, I think we need to start trading some sexy for some nasty. Because we've seen sexy this year. When Malik Monk, when he gets up for those oops, that's sexy. When Marvin Williams backing guys down in the post, kicking it old school, going retro Marvin, that's sexy. 
When Devontae Graham, I would have said that's nasty. That's not nasty. That's sexy, baby. Uh, just back okay. it, yeah, back it up. That's sexy. Backing it down sounds. I want more some. Nasty. I want Put some. It on the pole. No, I want some defensive nasty. I want some guys getting in there and get okay. it and and getting on the floor, getting nasties. Trade some sexy for some nasty. That's what Cody Martin is. Cody Martin, you're trading sexy for nasty, and I I want them to explore some trade options too, as we see the rise of Malik Monk, as we see Marvin Williams uh, showing some life in those legs. I want to trade some sexy for some nasty. I want to play this game real quickly before we go to break. I'm going to run down the roster and I'm going to ask how what the potential nasty factor is on a mm-hmm. scale of one to ten. And you give me what the potential nasty factor is for guys that are already on the roster. PJ Washington will start off with him. Uh, I'd say he's about a five na- mid nasty. He's mid nasty now, or that's the potential? Oh, he's mid nasty now. Potential super nasty. Okay, what about Miles Bridges? I'd say potential right now is mid-nasty. Devontae Graham. See, he's dirty. He's going to be dirty offensively. (laughs) Nasty, he's not, I mean, defensively nasty? No, that's not Devontae. Devontae Graham's never going to be that. Malik Monk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Cody Martin. He's clean. I was going to let you just. He was clean. I was about to say, yeah. Hey, that that and one move was pretty nasty last night. Him driving. I'm talking the basket, about. I'm talking about getting. On, I'm talking about going for a loose ball. I'm talking about those things. The MKG okay. type of play. That's not in Malik's wheelhouse. Cody Martin is uh, at eleven on a scale of one. Yeah, to ten. Uh, that's what I was looking for. I was Dope going to end nasty. on a high note. Big nasty. All right, all decade. Rod Boone of the Athletic talks about the all decade team for the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats. Boy. This one looks pretty underwhelming going up against some of the other all-decade teams that you would cook up for some of the other teams. We'll talk about it next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there, and then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it just it'll it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You know, I saw this all decade team yesterday on Twitter and I thought, you know what? I have a list that might be able to help some people with who might belong on the all decade team. One list that I thought most people were pretty accepting of. I didn't think that we had a whole lot of bashing of the top 30 Hornets list. I think everybody respected it to the nth degree and nobody had any problems with it. So with that, still mad about that mash burn. I know you are. That's the number one thing you got mad about. And that's one of the well, I How didn't leave him you. off. He's fifth he's fifteenth. Nah, he David might as Wesley's fourteenth. Well. Get your I, get his wanna, name out of your mouth. I want to revisit. We saw Jamal Mashburn. He attended the game Mashburn. yesterday along with Alonzo Morning. More like nasty burn. Mm, yeah. I thought that was what you were going to do and i was wondering how that would sound it, it it sounded just like how i thought it would i want to revisit this list one day and make changes because i think there are a couple of changes that i would make plus we do have another year under our belt i pulled up my list and it says the last time i edited this or at least looked at it was october 24th 2018 so it's been more than a year since i've even pulled this thing up and I would like to make a couple changes. Like, there's a couple that, you know, I feel differently about today. But anyways, let's look at the all-decade team that Rod Boone put out there on Twitter. Uh, number one is Kimba. Certainly easy to put him as the point guard. And let's, let's note that Rod did this with uh, pointing guard, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Right. So he, he put – it's not – these are not the top five players in this decade. He was doing it in, in an all-NBA team type of – 
thing. So Kimba Walker is the point guard. No surprise. Should have been there from the get-go. Gerald Henderson is number two. Gerald Wallace yep. is number three. Okay. I'm okay with that. Boris Diaw is the four. What? <laughs> and Al Jefferson is the five. That's good. I think that Ki- I think Kimba is absolutely number one. I think Al Jefferson is absolutely the best five. Gerald Wallace, even though he didn't play a whole lot in this decade, I'm going to give him the nod. It's the lifetime achievement decade spot. And then Gerald Henderson and Boris Diaw are the ones that are interesting to me. Are there any that you would put ahead of them at the top of your head? Because it seems like those are the guys that are the most controversial. Yeah, I'm going to give Marvin Williams the nod at four. I mean, I think he's been—I think he's been a cornerstone. <laughs> We're talking relative here, people. He's been a cornerstone mm-hmm. of this. He's been a pillar of, this, of the franchise of this decade. Yeah, I mean, he's been. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, if we're just talking about narrative, I mean, I think that Marvin Williams has been. I mean, he has done everything that he has been asked to do. But at the same time, extending that contract is representative of what. The, some of the mistakes that this franchise has made, in my opinion, in, in terms of spinning the wheels and and not recognizing who they were and, and what they were going to be. So uh, for those reasons, I put Marvin Williams in there at power forward. And then shooting guard, Gerald Henderson was certainly a staple, but uh, I mean, I like Stack Jack, man. Just again, same thing. Lifetime achievement, throw Stack Jack in there. Got to play. I want to see playoff guys. I want to see playoff players in this all-decade team. So I'm giving Stack Jack the nod. At shooting guard. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to if we're going to field the best team, what's the objective? Is it who did more for the franchise? Which I guess you could still argue that it was Steven Jackson that did more than Henderson for the franchise. I mean, I, he didn't play nearly as long, but Steven Jackson's certainly a better player. Like if you if you want to field the best team, then give me Steven Jackson and Marvin Williams as the two and the four before I would ever get Boris Diaw and Gerald Henderson there. Boris Diaw was the one like we. That's a bad name here. And Boris Diaw goes to the San Antonio Spurs and becomes like somewhat of a Finals MVP candidate for them, going up against the Miami Heat. He was good. Sure, but sure, but he was a job creator. He owned several restaurants in Charlotte, and he contributed to the local economy. So for that, I salute. Well, then you know, vote him on council. I don't know. Don't put him on the all decade team. <laughs> yeah. He ate a lot at the restaurants here. He got Ooh. big with the Bobcats. Oh, come on. Oh man. Wow. Boris Diaw around, throwing around Bo- ad homonyms. Boris Diaw is the calorie spike nickname for Boris Diaw. It's one in the same. And I don't think that's controversial. Is there anybody else that you would put there in contention with Steven Jackson, Gerald Henderson, or are those are the two guys that we're going to settle on? Oh, I think that's it. I mean, we're we're slim pickings. Slim pick. I mean, God, yeah, it is so, you know, I so, mean, if you want to just yeah. talk about, I mean, certain, certainly, I mean, this team has shifted gears several times in this decade, so that's that's been an issue with picking an all-decade team. But if you just want to talk about individuals who impacted the franchise, if you want to throw some guys on reserve, you could throw Jeremy Lin in there. You could throw Courtney Lee in there because they had a bit big impact on the. Yeah, you know, one playoff appearance where you really felt like, oh man, this team might go to the second round. Courtney Lee, huge shots, huge offensive rebounds. Jeremy Lin really propelled that team. <laughs> was um, was one of the few legitimate backup point guard options for this team and sixth man. So I mean, Malik Monk's filling that role now um, for the first time I think in a while. But um, but yeah, I, I, I throw field, those two names in there. I want to see. Do we have enough brain power before we wrap things up today? to come up with a all worst decade team 
can, can we go to each position and put out someone? Because uh, I think the guys forward, that you would, Lance Stevenson. Yeah, that's a good one. What about like guys like Ben Gordon? Is Ben Gordon on that team? Can we go that route? Is he, all, is he in the 2010s? Was he in 2010s? Do they have to, yeah, do they have to play quite a bit? Like a Ben Gordon is someone that I would consider. Uh, I, Did Ben Gordon have, have a little stretch? I'll look that up. Oh, well, in, in, in the NBA, he was good. He was better than just a little stretch guy. Oh, he did. Yeah, he played. He played in Charlotte from 2012 to 2014. So yeah, you could definitely, you could definitely throw Ben Gordon in there. Um, although that first year, 40 percent, 38 percent from three, effective field goal percentage below 50 though. Yeah, but he didn't play, right? Like when he always hurt, we basically it was a weird contract scenario. He came I forget off the, what it was. Well, he came off the bench, played 75 games in the first year, and the second year he played 19 games and was legitimately not a factor at all and, <laughs> and hurt the team whenever <laughs> right. he played. So yeah. okay, yeah, sure. Uh, ben Gordon, shooting guard, uh, point guard. Oh, bad point guards. I mean Brian Roberts. What about Ramon Sessions, man? Is that is that too mean to Ramon Sessions? Like the second stint of Ramon. It's not. He's bad. one of those players, and and God love him, but he was one of the players that uh, whenever he was on the floor, bad things tended to happen. Um, oh, Michael Carter Williams. Okay, damn it, that's Michael a, Carter. Yeah, all right. MCW, yeah. Ben Gordon, Lance Stevenson. Power forward, Tyrus Thomas, was he uh, – did, did I don't he think he squeezed decades? in there, man. Oh, man. I don't think I'm he look, got past sure. 2010 because that's the one sure. that I thought of immediately. I'm make sure. Yeah, 100. Uh, it, is Billy – No, 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 no. He, did, he did, he did. No, did oh, he get in 2010 there? through 2013. Yeah, he was oh, – wow. uh, Yeah, so he he definitely made it. And then he, he, only okay. played, he only played one more season in Memphis from 2014 to 15. All right, so he got that. Uh, Tyrus Thomas in there uh, at power forward center – yeah, center. Like, I, is that that's probably too mean to Billy? Uh, Billy doesn't need to be in there. You know, Bismack probably doesn't. I'll need say, to be the well, word. let's. Can we do this? Can we do Biz first stint? Because I feel like Biz second stint has actually been uh, not not terrible. Not the worst all not decade. Not the worst. Yeah, right. Uh, uh-huh. I don't think so. I think he's closing things out in, in a really nice way. Um, yeah, I, okay. I don't think you can throw Biz in there. Biz in there for the okay. center position. All right, that that's our all worst decade team. You heard it here; it's official. Wait, no, no, Michael no! Car- hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm so. There's wanna, been a change. There's been a change. I've talked to some representatives back in the back in the room here where we're deciding these things. We decided to take Biz off because that's too mean to Biz. Biz has meant too much to this franchise. He's meant too much to you me. You talk about doing something in the community, right? His home community. Yeah, let's leave. If we're going to leave those guys off, then let's do. All that. right, Biz. I'm sorry. We apologize uh, for this. Uh, we'll we'll put out a statement uh, shortly. Sorry, Biz. We're we're changing that out for Miles Plumley. <laughs> Miles Plumley. Oh, that's a, a good job, Doug. Hey, whoever you got helping you out make those decisions in that room, room. I appreciate. Here all their contributions. So Michael Carter Williams, this is the official list. Michael Carter Williams mm-hmm. at the one at the two. We have Ben Gordon mm-hmm. at the three. Uh, who's the three again? Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson is the small forward. We have Tyrus Thomas as the power forward and bringing up the rear at the five spot. Old miles plum six man, Gary Neal. Now I was going to say, I wanted to find a way for Gary Neal to be in there. And I'm glad you found a spot one for him. Time, All right, thanks for quick, listening. Can I tell a quick story about Gary Neal? I went I, to a practice one time. I would love to hear a story about Gary Neal. I went to a practice one time and I asked Gary Neal about uh, uh, NBA 2K and he was really mean about it. 
And now it's like all the rage to ask players about 2K. It's like I just I was one generation behind in asking a player about 2K, but he ripped me a new asshole for asking about that. Well, hold on. What did he say? Like, how did he? That was a little aggressive. But what did he say to you? Why was he so mean? Well, he just he was just like I don't care about 2K. Don't ask me about that. I'm like, oh well, listen. <laughs> it wasn't, and it wasn't. I was just asking about his rating. If he felt like he was shortchanged yeah. a little bit, his three point. They took his three point shot way down. I thought it was a nice. It was a nice way to frame a question. He didn't like it. Yeah, trendsetter you are, Doug. Now everybody's Now everybody's doing it. That's what I'm saying. All right, thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug's on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. No show tomorrow or Thursday because of a Thanksgiving break. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you. We will be back for more Hornets content on Friday. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks again for joining us here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.